it, Bucky's over and Steve's both being crazy. I guess we're going to find out. You know, if Steve, they've been kind of alluding to the fact that he might be mad that Sam didn't tell him Ian was back right away. But it's like, well, he told me not to tell you, so I don't know. What and to that's tell. your kid. That's your responsibility. Run away your kid at. <sighs> be a better dad and no one will have to tell you. The grandma's the baby. That's all. <laughs> it don't matter. Oh, I never forget. members like the general public sees them as Avengers yes I think but they've mostly been Avengers beforehand I think now it might be a little bit different but beforehand definitely like who were the mutants on the Uncanny Avengers for real Rogue Rogue I guess like Sunfire Wolverine them but like they're not very memorable on the team Cable was there he was also kind of like Am on the team Rogue was like the mutant of it. Havoc. Mm. <laughs> no one wants to claim him though. The Maddie. That's her man. Uh, sometimes. I don't know. She seemed a little reluctant too, honestly. Whatever. Anyway. All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am Laura Kenny Wolverine. Oh, that's different for you. Okay. Um, I am Patsy Walker, a.k.a. the Hellcat. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Miss Hellcat, I wonder if she's going to come back in the live MCU stuff. Um, Not with that same actress. Hmm. Did they clear it over that deck? Like, everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, the they announced that Kristen Ritter's coming back as Jessica Jones for Daredevil Reborn, but... Rachel Taylor, no shade to her. She's not one of my favorite actresses, and she tends to be in a lot of stuff that gets canceled. It's bad luck. I don't want it. Oh, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. And I wonder how many seasons Daredevil will get, because this first season is going to be like 18 episodes. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I will actually... I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> know how the MCU can be. <laughs> <laughs> optimistic. Especially because like Daredevil is a fantastic character and you know as they start to like get closer to the faves, it gets a little it gets, gets a little nerve wracking. I don't know. But you know, I'm a big fan of Charlie Cox Daredevil. I'm a big fan of the Netflix series. Very excited for it. I'm ready. Yeah. My girl will be there, so we'll see. I wonder and if they're gonna recast her. Electra's up. dead, so we won. Now, Electra's never dead, babe. <laughs> She's always coming right on back. Not this Queen time. of resurrection, okay? So. <laughs> That's a good down. But I also think they got rid of Karen and Foggy, which I'm kind of okay with because they were horrible in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Not like I'm acting. Not, that was actually gonna be an update. <laughs> We'll talk about that. No, no, no. We'll talk about that. Uh, but anyway, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I took. I'm taking a break from the gym right now uh, because I almost actually hurt myself not too long ago. I was doing some squats and like I was putting the squat bar up and the squat bar didn't like click the way it was supposed to and it kind of fell back and it kind of took my arm back with it a little bit, so it hurt my shoulder. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna take some time off from that. So I'm feeling good, you know. I'm eating a lot more, which is great. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Love that. That's How fantastic. That's my everyday. <laughs> you know, when you all gotta watch what you eat, it's like, oh, this is fantastic. Actually, I'm old. I don't. Th- I don't know if you know. If I've never mentioned this before, but I don't eat beef. I haven't eaten beef in like, I want to say almost like twelve years now. Oh wow. Um, but. I had a burger over the weekend, and let me tell you, I bet it's about to. <laughs> it five guys too. It was so good. Yeah. When I tell you, I was like, that "Sounds good." This 
is and like that's the only and like of the entire time I've stopped eating beef. Like that's honestly the only thing I've ever missed. I don't miss like steak. I don't miss uh like a lot of burgers from other places or things like that. I don't miss a lot of things that have beef in it. I will always substitute it for something else. But a five ass burger, mm. you can't substitute that baby. Now the burger is twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> The burger was a nice little indulgence. It's not like, you know, a cheap burger. It's like charging for everything over there. It's one of them payday meals. Like, you really go. Yeah. It's a treat. And again, like, it was my my cheat. Like, my treat, I was just like, I don't know. I was sitting at home. I hadn't been to the gym or anything like that. I was just like, I'm just really craving a burger. And I was like, and if I'm going to break this year, like, however long streak, it's going to be with something I know is going to be good. And it was worth it. And I didn't even feel sick. So I don't know. We might be back on the beef train. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I've um, just been hanging out, you know, um, <laughs> redecorating my apartment and mm-hmm. stuff, getting a bunch of new stuff, trying to like make it all cozy and cool. Um, I hate moving and I want to stay here for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just making Are you one of those people where you call your friends and ask them to move for you or are you like calling the movers? Oh, I'm getting movers. Period. Um, and it's wild though, cause like I'm really like kind of do a lot of stuff by myself, so like I don't really. But I will go and help other people move if they need it. Like, oh, I'm not even doing problem. that. Don't ask me. I see. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. If I'm not moving myself, definitely not moving somebody else. Sorry. I help you out. I'm not that friend. I'll I'll come over and like <laughs> just say, look around and be. I'll okay. bring some. I'll bring some champagne. I'll bring some food, you know. I might even help you box a couple things up. But when it comes to like, oh, we got to pick up. No. When it comes to like, oh, we got to get these tables, these like giant dressers. And I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. I'm fragile. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's go ahead and actually get into the updates of the week um like we were just talking about they have recently said that both karen and foggy will not be appearing in daredevil born again and like you said you aren't that really sad about it i'm not really that sad about it they were just like horrible people to matt in the show it was kind of like towards the end it was like all right y'all need to ease up just a little bit yeah and i personally feel like you know let's make room for other kinds of supporting characters that matt has it still doesn't really make sense to me yet how he has been integrated into this <laughs> universe. <laughs> you know, if everything that happened on the Netflix show happened, and is this the same well, Daredevil? I, I think, I, mean, I don't know, I might have to go back, but I feel like in one of the articles I read, he kind of said that this is a different universe Daredevil. It's not really the right. same as the Netflix. So it's given a little bit else worlds. We have been in the multiverse. This is true. Yes. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. That's fine. And if we're going to do that, then I would rather them just give the new supporting. I do wonder, I wonder how they're going to kind of like approach it. Matt, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Daredevil is like he's consistent. So many of his comic book runs are like amazing. They're like fantastic writing, immaculate art, like just really great all along, all across the board. But the thing about Matt is like his stories are so depressing. And they're so sad. And so it's like, after a while, it's kind of just like, you're just consistently sad. You got to take breaks from them a little bit. But occasionally, very like rarely, you might get a happy man who's just like mm. his life for a little bit. It doesn't last for too long, but it happens. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if kind of what they've been doing with the MCU and you know how it is a little bit lighter with some of the stuff he had his moment in She-Hulk, if this Matt is going to be a little bit happier than the one in the Netflix series, because... Netflix boy was down bad. Yeah, maybe they will be. You know, it is Disney, so they may want to keep it lighter, but at the same time, you know. I can see you probably have been clicking kind of down recently, so they've been wanting to change things up. 
That is very true. And again, like I can still see a lot of like the sadness of Matt coming through, but I just wonder if like in the beginning we'll kind of be a little bit more upbeat, just to at least like show some type of different uh how they're different. Yeah. I mean we saw a little glimpse of upbeat Matt in She-Hulk, you know. Saw I mean, him do his walk of shame. Also seems trying to get laid. He's always happy then. That's true. He always has like the ladies he's love good, him. He's a good flirt. Mm-hmm. You know. He knows how to lay it down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you lean into what you got, it works he, for you. He is the man without fear. Okay? <laughs> That's it all. Exactly. Um, also um, happening recently, speaking of live action movies and projects, uh, Shazam! Fear of the Gods just had its opening weekend, and it, it made $30.5 million domestically, and $65.5 million worldwide. Now, I believe this was, hang on, I don't think it was a $200 million movie. I hope not. But that does not sound very, it was a $125 million budget. So it made like half of its budget Mm. worldwide. Well, good luck to everyone. You know, I feel bad because Lucy Liu is in this movie, and I love Lucy Liu. And that Rachel Zegler girl who's in this, she's kind of funny online as well. I think she's very self aware. She <laughs> when when so, she clocked those people, they were like, oh, why did you bring up Scarlet Witch when they asked her about, like, oh, she, I guess she has magic powers in the movie. Um, and she was like, oh, you know, I thought I was going to do, like, really cool things like Wanda. And she was some stan or a fan account on Twitter was like, why didn't you bring up Zatanna or John Constantine, some real magic users? And um, he was, she was like, Dr. Fate or any of the characters you just listed don't even use their hands like that. So like, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's like very much online. She knows what's going on. I like her. She said there have been like some um, interviews and clips of her. She'll like watch, say, watch it for the plot. And it's just like pictures of her dancing. And they actually, they was like, you know, what made you want to take on this role? And she was like, I needed money. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Exactly. Like, I really like that. So it was a little bad that they're attached to that. But I don't know. I thought the first Shazam was kind of all right. I think Zachary Levy has kind of been becoming a person that people don't like with some comments that he's been making, um, or he's just become a very divisive personality. And I have to say this. (laughs) Okay. People like to talk about Brie Larson, Mm. but Zachary Levi is truly insufferable. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Where's the vitriol for him? Yeah. I don't see it. I'm not arguing with you. I agree. I don't see it. I agree, but they're both Captain Marvels. I don't like either one of them for real. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like, I don't know. I I, I don't don't think I was like, I'm not excited to see this movie. I'm going to eventually one day when it's on streaming, and we'll talk about it then, I'm sure. But We'll talk about it there, y'all. Sorry. Would I and I, I just also think about like the DCU right now as a in general and just like what it's been producing and what it's going through and like why should I really kind of like just be excited to see any of this stuff? No, they talk about Gal Gadot was in it. I'm sorry if that was a spoiler for anybody who was going to see it and hasn't seen it, but I don't want to see her. No. Why would you add more untalented actors to the movie? Why do we keep going back and forth with this Snyderverse stuff? We know it's not doing anything. <laughs> they, but they say they shot the movies now. They just got to put them out. Like, why are we doing these bait and switches? Why are we wasting time? Why are we playing these games? Why are you insulting me this way? Like, stop it. And if how come they could put this out but not the Batgirl movie? They should just throw that up on streaming, too. Okay. People actually wanted to see that. Yeah. People were excited for it. Gail Simone was tweeting up a storm. That's a shame. They are really not thinking about this stuff. But, you know, I, know. I guess that's just WB. That is just WB. But whatever. It's done. It's out. We'll see. I think they, well, we got the Flash next. And then they can finally put this out. You know, they said Tom Cruise said it was amazing. They paid him a nice little penny to make a court. <laughs> wow. So we're going to get that out, and then they can finally move forward with whatever, because this is the thing that everybody's been waiting for. Flash. 
have a for some reason we had to do this to start the universe over. Even though they could have just restarted the universe. We didn't have to have a flashpoint. Whatever. Shout out to Viola and Margot for making it through. You both deserve. You both are queens. Queens, yes. Um, although there was a report that there is they uh James Gunn isn't sure that Margot Robbie will continue as Harley Quinn, but they do still want to work with her. Don't piss me. Maybe off. she could direct maybe she could direct something. I know that's what she wants one to kind of get behind the scenes. Margot already says she'll play Harley as for as long as they have her. Okay. Period. <laughs> so if she's not coming back as Harley, then it's that man. And if that man's not bringing her back, then it's a problem. Me and him. Mm. Both regardless. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. You excited for Gaga's Harley? Who? <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be Harley. And good for her. Too. Good for her. I good for her. <laughs> Very nice and political you. And on that note, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll come right back. Cool. I think about that spawn movie. Oh mm. my god. Changed my life. Change Maybe my King life. Him and Blade. Ooh, that would be hot. Oh, Michael J. White and Blade. That's exactly what I need. I see. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome back to the comic section. Um, we had a lot of really good things come out this week. Um, some new number ones that I'm excited to talk about, some returning books and all those good things. So let's get into it. I have a couple mentions, of course. The excellent number one came out. You don't read the excellent stuff, do you? I never really got into them. I'm not really caring about anybody that could like make acid sweat or like. Oh no, this is it's it's a weird book, but it's fun. Like in this one, so like the ecstatic people are still around. The excellent is their kind of adversary team. They're like doing all these different angles to gain followers and PR and stuff like that. The excellent are kind of bad guys though, but it's a really good time. It continues to be so it's jumping off. I was excited to have them back. Um, Avengers Forever number nineteen. Continuing Jason Aaron. I feel like I've been saying continuing Jason Aaron's finale of his Avengers run for like the last few weeks, but this is like truly gearing towards the end. It was this issue, and then next they're going to have the Omega issue, which is like the final, final, final issue. So this was just like really big, passionate. Everyone's like screaming uh, Avengers Assemble with some monologuing. It was nice. It was like an action movie. I sat up. I got really excited. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Secret Invasion number five also came out this week. That was the ending of this series. It's been Maria Hill and Nick Fury trying to stop the New Scroll invasion. Maria Hill just proves she is that girl. She stops them with the switcheroo. We find out that all of those scrolls that we thought she shot earlier in the issue, she didn't actually shoot. And the Maria Hill that the scrolls kidnapped was one of those scrolls pretending to be her while she went and did what she needed to do to get everybody else so they can come stop the invasion. She won the day. She's that girl. Um, she's going to show up in Fantastic Four. Oh, that's cool. Well, look- Ryan North is the writer of that uh, Secret Invasion series, right? Yes. Um, he was also writing Fantastic Four. There you go. So be on the lookout for that. Tell me what happens, because I'm probably not going to read it myself. And with that, we'll get into the main books of the week, and we'll start out with our new number one that I was discussing <laughs> and the character that I am this week, Hellcat number one, and that is from Christopher Cantwell and Alex Lenz. Now, Christopher Cantwell is not new to writing Patsy. And for those who read or remember when Elsie was reading the Iron Man book, Patsy was a very big fixture in that. She was dating Tony. They got engaged. Um, the wedding did not happen. And from that, they spun off into the annual where she had her own little story, where she kind of went to hell fighting Blackheart. And then this is spinning out of that. Um, so here, Patsy is back home. She's caught up in a weird murder mystery. Apparently, like, she's been arrested. They say she killed some guy. And the entire issue is kind of her monologue and talking about how she met this guy at the party. And throughout it all, we're getting a lot of, like, parallels to Patsy now, Patsy when she was younger, and the Patsy that her mom wrote about in the comics. So for those who don't know, in the com- in Marvel Comics, Patsy Walker exists. 
her mom used her likeness to create a bunch of like romance novels titled Patsy Walker and people read about them but like she was also very abusive to Patsy she like stole money from her she lied to her she lied on obviously about some of the things that happened in the book and things like that they had a very strange relationship then she died they also found out like at one point in time her mom sold patsy sold to like the devil she's not a nice lady (laughs) (laughs) she's not a nice lady whatsoever um nonetheless patsy is living back at her old house and since her trip back to hell in the iron man annual her powers have been changing and expanding right now she is cut off from her telepathy she doesn't know why it seems like it might be damon hellstrom though because we all know is patsy's ex-husband he kind of is like lurking around it seems like in the background somewhere and he might be the reason she can't access that but she does have some other abilities she's doing some things like she's going intangible um she can like see ghosts so she actually sees the ghost of her mom living in the house and like she's still able to communicate with her which is like again very strange very awkward for her so she's resorted to things she's like drinking again she's sneaking around and all this while she again has this murder that they are accusing her of with this guy who she was apparently dating who also used to date her best friend Hetty. so it's like a whole lot of mess terrible man like <laughs> always um <laughs> She sneaks out and she's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And she realizes that, like, the body of this guy has been decomposed at the molecular level. She's like, you know, my powers are different, but I can't do that. But she finds this guy who she knows who can. She goes to confront him and she talks about how they locked him up because they think he might also be responsible for the murder because he is in love with Patsy. And she's like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And like, so while all of this is going on, of course, we're getting these flashbacks to like Patsy as a child. We see her dad leaving. And like, while all of this is happening, she's kind of like asking herself, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? And it just like ends there with her like screaming after her dad, like we're trying to figure out what's going on. So it was like really. Okay. Everybody got (laughs) We all got them. I got (laughs) them. And again, Chris isn't new to writing Patsy, but this particular issue was like so, so good. And it was such a really intricate deep dive into the character. And like Patsy's a character, she's been through a lot. You know, we've seen her kind of emerge, if you followed her, she emerged again as like this romance comic character who tried to become a superhero and it was kind of clunky and it was weird. And then they went through the story periods where she killed herself, she was in hell. She's kind of risen from the ranks. So to like get all of that in one issue and like still build it around this mystery, I'm really enjoying this aspect of her as like the investigator, which is something they've been doing since she popped up back in the She-Hulk books back in the earlier 2000s. Um, she was acting as an investigator for her. That's kind of been the role she's taken on now, and it seems to be going like a more supernatural route, which works perfectly for her. And this is kind of stuff that I've always wanted to see for the character, honestly. Alec Lynn's art is just really amazing. He When he does like the flashbacks of like Patsy as the romance comic versus her teen years, it's really well done. He captures the spirit of it really well. It's just interesting to see Patsy and like the difference of it. She's running like a rink when she's in high school to write people's essays for them. And she's like charging. (laughs) But it's because she's a smart girl. And it's like her friend Hetty is like, oh, you know, I need you to write this essay. She's like, it's 50 bucks. But then she sees Hetty being really mean to some guy. And she's like, actually, it's 75. And, you know, and then the guy who Hetty was messing with, like, I can't even pay you the $50 for whatever reason. And Patsy's like, oh, you're free. You know what I'm saying? So it's like just showing like different parts of her morals and stuff like that. And again, her questioning, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? How am I actually operating here? Really good stuff. Really great character piece. I was super excited for this book. It didn't disappoint. Can't was at it. Lens has got it. The art's hot. I'm excited for the rest of it. I'm excited to know who this guy is and like exactly what the thing. We find out that he used to date Hetty. Of course, they weren't dating at the time. Him and Patsy were dating, but we still don't know what's going on with that. It's exciting though. It's drama. She got slapped. She's drunk. She dealing with her ghost mama. I'm here for Even it. Drama. What would you rate the issue? I would definitely rate this like a strong four out of five. Like highly recommended. I think if you, I don't, I will say as a number one, I don't think if you don't know anything about Patsy, it might feel a little bit confusing just because again, some of the stuff happened from the annual that happened as a plus one of Iron Man. So if you hadn't really keeping been keeping up with that, it might seem a little jarring, but she does still explain that like something weird is going on. I don't even know what it is. So we'll figure it out together. And I think it works in that aspect. It's a mystery. 
Okay. I like people check out Hellcat. Check out Hellcat. And next up on our list is Captain Marvel number 47. That's from Kelly Thompson and Sergio Devilla. All right, y'all. So last issue, we saw that the team of Captain Marvel and the X-Men like split up. Half the team went off to go Captain Marvel, uh, Psylocke, Spider-Woman went off to go and rescue Binary, while Polaris, Wolverine, and Gambit went off to rescue Rogue. Oh, and Hazmat. And Hazmat like did this really big explosion, took out all the brood, but it was also going to like affect the other side <laughs> where Carol was. So Carol like put up this force field to help everybody, which her powers have been kind of expanding. Um, and people remember if they, if anybody had ever read the um, Ultimates, um, there was a moment where Blue Marvel had showed like you know, if your powers are more than just blasting, like you can actually mold the energy into other things. So it's really cool to see Carol do some stuff like that in this book. Um, we have. Of course, Rogue being rescued, Lorna being like, that's my homegirl, so I'm going to go and get her. And uh, after she is rescued, Lorna has everyone in a force field, but of course they have to drop it so that Laura can touch Rogue so that she can use her healing powers because a Rogue has been attached to this machine that's like, I don't know what happened to her with this machine. And um, <laughs> it, it turns out that Rogue had, I guess, been just out in space responding to um, a distress call, but then she learned that it was actually binary, being trapped by a brood. She ends up getting overtaken by the brood and realized that their plans are, they no longer want to just like insert themselves in people and hatch eggs that will become like superhuman brood that way. They want all brood to have powers. So they're like trying to figure out a way to do that. And they're thinking they can get it from uh, Captain Marvel, because they were like the ones who originally unlocked this ability within her. They think mm. that they can figure out a way to do it again within themselves. So okay. they also hate the Kree because the Kree created that brood egg, that brood ate, or that king egg, that controlled the hive. Yeah. So, mm. like, that was another reason that we saw in this book to learn that that's why they hate the Kree. Um, so now the teams need to link back up together. However, when Carol is on her team and they are starting to take binary out of her machine, the the, the machine is like, like bioorganic too. And it starts to attach itself to Carol. And she's like, you gotta take one to replace the other. So she ends up being trapped into the machine. And she's like, y'all go just try to come back for me. I'll maybe figure myself out on how to get out of here, but you guys get out of here. Um, we also get this really nice moment between Hazmat and Rogue because after learning that there's some problems with Carol, the Polaris, Wolverine, and Gambit are like, well, we'll go back and help Carol. Rogue, you go onto the ship because, like, you can't fight right now. You're sick. Like, you need to recover. Hazmat is like, I'll go take her. They have this really touching moment where Hazmat is like, you know, I've always actually wanted to meet you because, like me, your powers kind of came out of tragedy. Like when Hazmat's powers developed, she like exploded and killed everyone around her. So um, she was like, you know, I've always wanted to talk to somebody who kind of understand. She's like, after my powers developed that way and because they are, you know, radiation and energy blasts like that, people always thought I was gonna become some villain and I wanna be a hero and Rogue kind of really comforted her and they have like a hug moment, which I thought was really nice to see. So is this um, them like confirming that Hazmat is indeed a mutant also? I don't know. That's kind of the vibe I was getting. Because I feel like I, I can't. I feel like it was like mentioned once. It wasn't really confirmed though. But like this whole moment with Rogue, that sounds like you know mutant to mutant. Like I see you, girl. Did you see me? <laughs> That's what I was getting from it too. But like you know, they didn't really say. You know, they try to keep. She said. She said. She said, she said when my powers activated. She didn't say like when my mutant powers activated. We'll put her over there with Wiccan. They mutants. We'll see about that one. We'll know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell one. you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but then we see that uh, Spider Woman and Psylocke are being overran by these brood, and then the brood queen is, is appears, and th that's the end of the issue. So something's going to be happening when. Damn, when, this uh, arc is still going on. Yeah. Because the X Men still has one more issue too, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they did not cross over. No. They're dealing with these things separately. The brood just is in both books. This was a really great issue. It felt like an X-Men issue again. Um, Lorna was all throughout it, which I was not expecting, but was obviously pleasantly surprised by. Um, Yeah, I would give this issue a four out of five. The art was fantastic. This is probably the best example I would give people going forward for how I like to see Rogue's hair. I thought it looked great in this issue. Um, And yeah. Okay. Captain Marvel. Shout out to Captain Marvel. I will say I've heard a lot of X-Men fans been reading this arc and they've like really enjoyed it. And I think it's like, especially for that X-Men present, if you said it feels like an X-Men book. And Carol's no stranger to the X-Men. She always hang out with the crew every now mm-hmm. and again. So it's nice to kind of have that call back for her. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how this all kind of wraps up. I'm still convinced that Binary is gonna, isn't going to make it out of here. But stick with me, y'all. We'll yeah, see what you've been you've been trying to ship her off for a while. So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All right. And the last book on our list today is Captain America number eleven. That's from uh, Michael Yabuchi Tun- and R.B. Silva. And so, like, this issue was kind of like the big final fun. Uh, well, not the final fight between Sam and the White Wolf, but like one of the big final ones because you know we go into the Captain America Cold War event starting next month with this. Um, but, like, you know, we had all the stuff with Falcon happen last issue where he kind of, like, turned him into this crazy guy. Sam has been able to stop him, and now White Wolf comes out, and they just, like, duke it out. The entire issue is just them fighting, like, going back and forth and, like, representing, talking about their ideals and what they do. Beautifully drawn by R.B. Silva. I will say, I do think the art is kind of carrying a little bit of the story here because there are certain parts that just feel very abrupt. Like, I read, like, last issue... We saw Nightshade and some of the other resistance fighters going to like battle while Sam was fighting Falcon in the air. And then this issue, they're already on the ground defeated by White Wolf. And it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we didn't, so didn't okay. get much of that. Um, and then even so, the final fight with um, White Wolf feels kind of abrupt. Sam is like beating him down and getting him, and then Nomad comes and stops him, and he's like, you're about to kill him. And Sam is like, you know, why shouldn't I kill him? Having his moment of, you know, why can't I be the bad guy? Why he did all these horrible things, and everybody's like, you're Captain America, you represent this, this, and that, you're fighting for the people, blah, blah, blah. Of course, he doesn't kill him reinforcements arrive we don't really actually see what happens with white wolf um we can assume obviously he got captured but again the event is starting next month so it could be something where he gets um rescued or like his people come and get him from out of that or what goes on with that the issue ends sam is on a date with misty and she's talking about just like all the good stuff that he's done and what he represents and they kiss so and she tells you know, the first time earlier in the book when they were uh, on the date, she was like, this wasn't a date. This time, she's like, it was a date. And they had that little moment. So we might have some Sam Misty back on the door. Okay. Dark. I like them as a couple. I like them as a couple. She needs, like, a costume or something, though. We gotta, she does need it, but she got it in a better costume. You we know? gotta do something about that. I would also, like, be... Or just a costume. I don't think she has, like, a... like a. That look she had during his first run that... um they did where she was supposed to be like age and night and it was like this red tactical suit and she had this like mask helmet thing on that was hot if they wanted mm-hmm. to bring that back while she did some field stuff with sam i think that would be cool i would also really like to see artists kind of take her to the next level with her hair i completely understand and just like to show what can be done with black women and black hair and like natural curls and things like that i think there are a few actresses um brandy from p valley if anyone's ever seen her i think she's a really good example even someone like tiana Paris, who does like different things with her curls and yes stuff like mm-hmm. you know i would really like to see some artists kind of like switch that around for misty and just like make her feel a little bit more unique in that sense um just because love the front Yes. Like, it's a couple of girls we can go to for inspiration for this, just to, like, kind of update her look and help move her into modern times so she's not looking like she walked straight out the 70s. But nonetheless, um, issue's good. It ends with Sam and Nomad kind of walking off into the sunset, and Nomad, who is Steve's son, is like, I think it's time I go see Dad. And Sam's like, okay, dope. Go see him. Tell him hi. And that's where we end. And boom, we'll go into the event next month where everything comes to a head. Bucky's over and Steve's book being crazy. Guess we're going to find out. You know, if Steve, they've been kind of alluding to the fact that he might be mad that Sam didn't tell him Ian was back right away. But it's like, well, 
He told me not to tell you stuff. So I don't know. And that's tell. your kid. That's your responsibility. Learn to your kid at. <sighs> Be a better dad and know I'm not to tell you. The grandma's the baby. That's all. <laughs> it don't matter. Oh, I know. It was a really good issue. I would give this like a solid 3.5 out of 5. Again, like, I think the writing and everything is good. I think Sam's characterization is good. I think this was a nice, like, arc for him to kind of have to really get into that, like, bigger political world of world politics and have his moment. I think Sam has had a lot of, like, big fights and big speeches. I don't, I can't recall where he's had that, should I kill this guy moment. So... It was nice to kind of get that nice and like, you know, kind of pull back from that and see a little bit something with there. His relationship with Falcon is always good to see. So it was nice to have that. Um, oh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited for the event next month. I'm excited to continue this book. Sam kind of wins in these regards. So he does. He's had some great art over the years. So like, he might get it. And the events that he were a part that he has been a part of in the past have always tended to be very good as well. Pleasant Hill, No Surrender. Um, I know the girls don't like Secret Empire. I thought it was hot. He had great right. moments throughout it. Um, Civil War II was very divisive, but his parts in the event were very good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go that far. <laughs> you know, Sam so but, one, that one little speech he gave was good. Yeah. Yes, but I can't go far as to say the event. And was Civil War II stuff was really good. <laughs> Tony was both trying to recruit him, and he was looking at Carol like, "Girl, you're crazy." <laughs> not good <laughs> i don't know i had a good time so i'm excited for this to continue the trend and then like all the i think the both the cat books are really really good now i think a lot of people who are cat fans can say we're in a really good cat era so shout out to them and those are the right, y'all. and just to remind you we'll be coming back in april for the next part of uh, the ar club and we will be reading Avengers Arena. So make sure you guys get ready for that. I haven't read that in so long, so it'll be interesting to see how I feel. I love Arcade. I'm excited. Yeah, Arcade is great. I need to read those uh, Murder World. Let's see this guy going I read right the now. Moon Knight one. That one was really good. Mm, I like Zub. He's real. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come right back. Cool. I'm gonna send you this tweet, but look at it later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. Welcome back to the relaunch section of the show. And this week, we are going to be talking about the X Men 60th anniversary. Now, they just had their 60th anniversary. Um, you know, they started in 1963. They um, also had a big special uh, that all of the Marvel Unlimited subscribers were able to kind of uh, watch. So, we've we'll been talking mostly Unlimited. about that. Go get it, y'all, if you don't. Um, so you can get, like, really access to really cool stuff like this. Um, and you get, like, all of the books up until, like, three months ago. Which is and when lot. you're, like, a Marvel insider, some of those perks and things are actually really nice. You know, you get to join, like, those little raffles to be drawn into the Hellfire Gala. I have not gotten my email yet that I've gotten picked. But I'm sure they're just waiting until it's a little bit closer in time. Um, there's like lots of fun art and things you can get and exclusives. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. And you know, just cool. the options the stuff they get for free. The options to just read your comics like whenever you want, wherever you want, from all periods of time, getting more into characters. Again, thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I've gotten so many characters that I never would have known about. Remember when I didn't like Star Lord? That's not true. I kinda always liked Star Lord. But remember when I really started liking Star Lord? That was yes. Marvel. I mean, I it also is kind of kind of making me see characters differently because I went back and read more books and Jean clicked down for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't click that far, though. We, we, we don't talk about Whoa. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're talking about the X-Men 60. <laughs> and, you know, um, in the beginning of this event that they had, they had this really cool discussion with um, Chris Claremont. Luis and Walt Simonson, and with these are, in my opinion, some legendary writers and um, editors from the X-Men the formative years, really, like, yeah. the way that they have really created these characters and, and pushed them back then, has set the foundation for all of this stuff. 
um, it was a moment where um, I thought was really funny where someone did ask them that question of, you know, do you guys recognize that you are like a part of like culture? Like you are like the things that you created with these characters now are a part of like the zeitgeist of the world. Like you did yeah. this. And well, I think Walt Simonson was like, at the time, I just wanted the checks to clear because okay, that was real. <laughs> um, but I thought they had some really great stuff going on during this section. This was this like the '80s section, the '70s and '80s section of the it was X Men history. It was a really good segment, and like these three, you know, I've always been really into like creators, creator interviews, listening to them talk about their process and things like that. So like that was really exciting. I think, like you said, these three are legends. They pretty much created a very strong foundation for who a lot of these characters are and like stories that we still love today and are still being referenced today. So just kind of like reminding them of that and like letting them see what the fruit of their writing has become and just like showering them with love. I'm all about letting people know how you feel about them and like making sure they know they're appreciating stuff while they're here, you have the chance. So like, I just thought that was super dope. I'm kind of upset I did want Claremont to be in like a different section talking about like a different <laughs> era of books. I'm not gonna lie, but he what did What section did you want him in? I don't think cool. Did you want him to be nasty? It would have been interesting had he been in a different section, yes. But I think they wanted him to be in the one that he was a part of the most. Because that would have been, that would also be messy. They could have had him in there. That would have been messy. (laughs) (laughs) They would have been like, so how'd you feel when we brought you back and then let you go again? Okay, that was nice. (laughs) But they were really good. And like, shout out to the 80s. Like, the 80s, like, have amazing stories. Inferno, they brought up that um, event, which is a classic. Um, they also talked about, uh, this was a kind of a quote from Claremont, when asked about how they were a part of this big crossover success, he said it was the biggest mistake that they had ever made. And it was because the crossover was so successful that it became more about hitting that than actually like kind of continuing the characters. He always felt that the story should be kind of, you know. Yeah. One and then he said, you know, all of all of it together created the Dark Phoenix. But if you look at it, actually, the stories that build it are all like kind of one shot, two two issue stories. So I kind of agree with him. Yes, I do think that like that crossovers have crossovers, <clears throat> They happen every damn year. There are two of them probably running right now, and yeah. they seem to be just placeholders now into the next crossover. So I do hope that maybe. Maybe Claremont saying this may help them want to steer it back towards that way. I don't think so. I feel like he said that a lot of times before, and that's why they fired him. <laughs> right. <laughs> get in line. <laughs> um, I thought Louise and her Bob was clearing. Um, she was. She was. The Bob always, I thought it was. Little Bob. And Bob always serves. Yeah, always loved that. Um, so yeah, I thought the 80 section was great. They had a really a whole lot of like really fun um, trivia questions for people to ask. There were only a few of them I didn't really know, um, but for the most part, I was clearing it. Mm-hmm. They um, moving on to the '90s section. They brought in Rob Liefeld and Mark Silvestri as the guests, and I mean, Silvestri Let me is just say, I must say, Silvestri is honestly probably like top five comic book artists of all time for me. Like, and everybody knows I love the Outback era of the X Men, and like that was a very formative time for those characters and a lot of things that went on. I think a lot of the stuff that he spoke about, just when he was talking about art and just like how it's like fashion and like design and all of these other things and panel layouts, and he, it was just like really dope to see, like, and just hear the creators talk about their passion. I also gotta quickly say, I know Mr. Liefeld can be a divisive character amongst the people, but he was really likable on the stream. And like, he was he was given a lot of just, he loves Two this. Two times he was right. I he, was, he was like, <laughs> his moments. he shouted out Extinction Agenda is like one of his favorite events, like stand up for us, cause that is the yeah. one, you know, he was like coming across, I was like, I get it. I see why <laughs> you keep getting work. Yeah. <laughs> He brought up, they asked him about, you know, how he was the one who chained the mutants into X Force. Mm-hmm. And basically, he said he needed a title that had X in it because, like, there was everybody X Factor, X Men, everybody else had it. And that's how you were selling. Like, New Mutants as a brand wasn't really selling like that compared to the things that had an X in the title. 
and except you know Wolverine, and he said Wolverine doesn't need an X Men title because he's Wolverine. He rises above that, which is true. Wolverine, he always he don't really need all of that. Um, but that second was really like that. Yeah, it was interesting. I thought some of the stuff that they were talking about was great. I really liked the way Sylvester talked about like fashion and clothes and stuff about like how he did his art because I wish that more like artists really looked at like really cool fashion mm-hmm. magazines and stuff or just streetwear and stuff to get more inspiration to how they design their it makes characters. A difference. Yeah. Um, and then we moved over into the final section, which was the Cohen era. And we were, um, I forget the names of the guests. There was George wait, wait, White. This one, the animated section, too. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> we missed that. Um, there was the animated section, of course. How can you not have the an X-Men anything and not bring up the X-Men the animated series? Yeah, they brought works. in... But they brought in the current, uh, I think he's a writer and maybe a producer on the show, Abo DeMaio, as well as two of the, um, I think they're both producers. And one of the older okay. producers from the original series. Um, but all of them are there talking about the past show, as well as giving some information on the next season of X-Men 97. Um, what we did learn was that the new season, the new series, I should say, will pick up several months after Xavier had left with Landry. If people remember how the original X-Men animated series ended, Xavier was like, like there was an assassination attempt on him or something, and he got really sick. And um, when he was about to die, Landry showed up and was like, I can take him back with to space with me and heal him, but he's got to go. And so he's off in space. Um, girls love Xavier. They do. Xavier's another one that's got it. He does. <laughs> he, he plays the game. Um, I guess after while Xavier, this is going to take place several months after Xavier's left to go to space. Um, that assassination attempt, I guess, has caused like sympathy amongst humans where there isn't as much um, like hate or hated and feared kind of animosity towards mutants. And now that things have kind of calmed down, Gambit and Rogue and Gene and Scott are thinking, you know, maybe we can start to like live the lives that we're trying to fight for. So they kind of maybe are moving away from the X-Men. Meanwhile, Storm and Wolverine are still like keeping the X-Men kind of alive. And who else comes over? Magneto, who I guess Mm -hmm. after this um, assassination tip on Xavier, he's looking at Xavier like, you know what? You took one for the team. You know, I will kind of try to sit in your place as and keep your dream alive. And really harken back onto that era when Magneto was the headmaster. Uh, I like it. Of Xavier Institute. Um, and I guess during all of this, Sinister is going to rear his head and try to take down the X-Men once and for all since, you know, they're kind of fractured right now. So yeah. that's a pretty solid synopsis. Obviously, there will be a more official one later. Um, that's just kind of what I remembered from the the discussion that they talked about. But I think it sounds pretty interesting. I have to admit that, like, I do like the X-Men in the 90s. Like, it is what it is, <laughs> you know? And I'm going to go up for Rogue. I'll be there for that. She doesn't look no different. <laughs> We're not talking about that, okay? I just said I'll be there for her. Okay. Some people well, have a costume that's hot. They don't got to change eight times just to try to she, get something that looks good. She ain't go there that far but regardless i thought this one was really nice i really appreciated that all of the people involved were like also just like fans of it and even if they weren't necessarily like a super fan they also just had a really good time working on the show and i think that is kind of a testament to why the show has been so successful like when people are passionate and enjoying and like loving what they do they kind of put that into the work and it resonates with people even though when you go back and watch that cartoon it's honestly not that good but Whatever, it was fourth time, and just the excitement of the people in this kind of made me a little bit more excited for 97. I would still have, like, appreciated maybe just, like, one or two updated designs. Hopefully that's something that we can still see in this series. I don't think they should be running around in the 90s garb for the entirety of it. Um, So, that. It's also interesting that it's X-Men 97, but it's the 80s plot. Well, who else you can get the story? (laughs) <laughs> the, the hot era, so that makes sense. 
But it's interesting that it's 97, but they aren't in like 97 stories. Yeah. (laughs) What was even going on in 97? That's when we were starting to get Operation Zero Tolerance. Mm. Things were starting to get uh, Bastion and Nimrod, I think. That could still happen. Maybe that's. They did say they have other more seasons, so. They got uh, they got greenlit already for like two more or something, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah. So. Good for them. All right, it's but coming. But it's still called '97, so we probably won't ever really get past that, right? I don't know. Wait and see. Trudy. Am I gonna get my second coming season or no? We see you Utopia know, or no? Utopia? No, that's not happening. <laughs> no way. It would be nice. Pixie. That's her era. She still would have a lot of doing that era. That's fair. That, that was her it girl era. What a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She took that helmet off finally. Um, he gave it to Jean. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up, we had um, Grant Morrison and Jonathan Hickman. They entered the chat, and we had a little bit of the Kokoan era kind of kick off with them. I guess you can kind of say the early 2000s, beginning to the Kokoan era. And Morrison talked about different things that he kind of give you some behind the scenes stuff. He mentioned, I'm sorry, they mentioned that they wanted to use Colossus, but Colossus wasn't available. So that is the reason why Emma gained the diamond form, which is interesting. Um, I wonder what would have happened had they had access to Colossus. I remember reading an article like years ago where they mentioned that, and it was like, they wanted Colossus, they couldn't get them, but they also wanted Rogue. But they were gonna kill Rogue off, and like, rep- and like do a whole thing. It was gonna be. Uh, I like what we got. Yeah, I'm glad it went the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen for a reason, that's for sure. Um, and they were asked also, you know, what was their kind of planning with the X Men during the whole uh, X Men run. And they basically wanted to move the X-Men into a modern time prior to them joining the creative team and writing it. They looked at the X-Men as kind of like superheroes and they were just kind of doing that thing. And they wanted to make them more sci-fi. So what's next after being superheroes? They were just the rescue people helping mutants get back to the school, yeah. which again, it did really usher in like a new it did. age for the X-Men. All everybody seemed to be kind of on to their next status quo instead of no longer just being, you know, yeah. running around being superheroes. I feel like then we had really like more of a school thing with that. Era yes. Too. I feel like that's Well, I mean, that's like, when it happened. I believe. The you know, they was always trying to run around. When they were when they came out, right? I think that's when they were no longer in secret. And then yeah. I think it was in 2003. And I forget the issue where it became public that that's what the Xavier School was for me and everybody became public, which is wild to think that, like, it took that long yeah. for it to become a thing. Or and also, like, it has been so long since it's happened. It was 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was a long time ago. It was. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but this conversation between these two was probably just, I uh, i knew it was going to be kind of something fantastic and just like really insightful. They have always, both Grant and Jonathan have always given really good interviews and have never shied away about kind of talking about their processes and just being very open and honest about it. So I always like that transparency. There was one moment, it was kind of funny. I thought they asked Jonathan a question about Moira and like if that was his original plan and he was like i don't want to answer that but then he went and answered it anyway anyway (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was like kind of funny um and it just like felt like class to him but just like i was wondering they asked him if it was a plan to make moira a villain during his uh, creation of all of the hoxpox stuff house of x and powers of 10 and he said no because they were gonna. They're still writing it, so I don't want to answer it. But then he said no, that wasn't my original. No, plan. it wasn't my original plan. Um, <laughs> but you know, I thought that was really cool. But just like, again, you can tell that they both had even 
it with Brent trying to like bring them into the modern age, with Jonathan like doing something new. But like they like the franchises that they're working on, and they enjoy the characters, and they wanted to do these things, and they wanted to make it impactful, and they like just had a good time doing that. And I think that always shines through in the work, and that's what makes it so enjoyable for all these other people. And they just really look at this and say, it's you know, it's it's more than just a normal IP. It like really does mean something to a lot of people because it means something to me. And I want to kind of share that with them. Like, just, just this one was like really great, really fantastic. I do hate that it was already pre-recorded. They set us yeah. up that they knew they could have been live. I know somebody has something to do, quote unquote. But we'll let mm-hmm. us. <laughs> or you know, you know, sometimes when you reach a certain level, you gotta do too many things, <laughs> you do too many things live. Hmm. Um, but then they also ended up showing us in this next section with uh, Jordan White. And um, I forget the woman's name who was also there. She's a senior editor. Um, apologies for that. But they end up showing us a Hellfire Gala cover. And Jean got this helmet on. And um, I like it. I think she looks I don't nice. think it, I think she looks like Jean. Like, I think. I, think she, I will say it looks like something Jean will wear. I think she yeah. was getting dressed. She looked at Logan and she said, they about to gag at this helmet. And he said, <laughs> you're right. They are. And we walked out together. And it was as simple as that. Period. I think Exodus looks fantastic on this cover. Um, I need to get the full details for that, for some plans that I got. Um, I'm interested to see why Nimrod is there. I'm completely over Sinister with the the luck on his head. I mean, the clover on his head. Oh. I'm over, like, the forms of Sinister. Oh, is that I would rather just like Sinister. Sinister. I like Sinister. <laughs> He's, like, one of my favorite villains. I just don't <laughs> need this. I don't need I don't need this. Well, we'll see. Well, it's all supposed to be coming to a head. Sins of Sinister is gonna be ending soon. We're getting to the gala. Everything's coming up. We're Let's moving. Hope. Let's hope. Um Yeah, and then we also learned that Uncanny Avengers will have a one shot during free comic book day, as well as following up with an ongoing series in August. Um and that team will consist of Rogue, Quicksilver, Deadpool, Psylocke. Um, Captain America and Monet. And it seems as though someone is in the Captain Krakoa suit and maybe causing some issues. Allegedly, this team, in the synopsis anyway, says that the there's an attack on the U.S. government and there's an attack on the Krakoan government, and this is what brings the unity team together. So check that out when it drops. Avengers Assemble. Yes. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I'll be there for Rogue. I really didn't need her on like a Unity team right then. I would have rather her just stayed on the X Men. That's her thing. She's an Avenger. She sells the book. She's the Uncanny <laughs> Avenger, actually. Yeah, she's been in every team. That's the dog. Shout out to them. She works. On, she works on both. We'll see. I'll, I'll pick up the first issue to see how it goes. Um, I don't necessarily think I was in the mood for a Unity team. I. Or, like, I would have liked to see them be something different. Or, like, just have a different name. I think it would have been cute if, like, it was the Uncanny X-Men. And, like, Steve Rogers was on this team with, like, Deadpool and Quicksilver. And, like, they called, like, you know, to really put more emphasis on that. But, I don't know. I'll check it out, see what it gives. I've tended to like Uncanny Adventures in the past. I like Jerry Dugan sometimes. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't really know if I need a unique team right now, but we'll see. Um, well, that's what the X-Men have been, like, moving towards. It's all about, like, helping people. You've got Jean and the Phoenix Foundation. They were, like, saving Orcus people. They're, like, trying to really get back. I don't know about all of that. They did mention that Apocalypse is going to be coming back in his one-shot, um, The Heralds of Apocalypse. So that will be interesting to see. They also mentioned that there's some stuff coming up for Firestar. So Yes. Well, it to... seems as though now it's become, like, cemented as an X-Men character. So... As she should. Her. Mm-hmm. Now she's going to be there with the roster, with everybody else, so she can fire blast and pick the team. Where do you want her status quo amongst the X-Men to be now? Um, I think if she's not going to be on the X-Men for, like, another year, I could see her doing a multitude of things. I think, like, she's one of those characters where she has enough history as a hero where you can kind of, like, plop her into certain situations. If you needed her to be, like, a moral conscious type on an X-Force, if you wanted her to be, like, mm. a savior type on Marauders going around rescuing mutants, um, uh, what other teams are there? I wouldn't know. No one's there anymore. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> gone. 
you could send her up to space and Rocco to be like a cop up there or something. I don't know, whatever they're doing. There's a lot of places. I think so um, you want her more of like an active role than something supporting something or like a I think, political one. I don't necessarily know political, but I do think active, at least in terms of like protecting people. I think a big part of her one shot where she was kind of with the team was like to emphasize that she had not been around very often and that she wasn't really like down for the mutant calls but now like she is here she understands what's going on she wants to expand she wants to be better she wants to be a part of that so she's kind of got to stay in something that keeps her to be a part of that i love that girl okay I'm so excited. We'll, we'll be sticking out and see what absolute goes on with firestar i'd like to see her make some some other friends on within like the X franchise, you know. Yeah. Instead of just just being Iceman or her adversary with Emma Frost, like I'd like, like to see and like the Hellions. I get it, but like I like the fire ice thing. The fire and ice thing is really nice. Obviously, it ties back into Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and it works. Their friendship is really nice. They look good together on a panel. Um, but I would like as she continues on, yeah, start forming. I would really like to see her in Warpath reconnect. We've always gotten stuff mm. with her him and cannonball in the past they also like showed yeah i shipped them and so like okay. <laughs> uh so like that would be cute you know maybe hang out with a few new mutants she does know, like honestly she knows a lot of these people already <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard yeah we'll see more about that um overall though what is your favorite era of the x-men as far as their 60 year <sighs> you know We've gone through a bunch of them throughout this. Yeah, I've gone through a bunch of them. It's, like, really hard, because even, like, I'm just thinking about, like, obviously, you know, I love the 80s. Like, that's where a lot of really good stuff is. But I think about a lot of that um, 2000s and 2010 stuff that was also really, really great quality comics. Did I say that right? Quality comics? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of that was honestly the successor to a lot of that 80s stuff. But then also, the truth is, I'm 90s trash. I love the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's extreme action. It's, 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 it's like there's some gold in there. And then you have now with the Krakoan era, which is also another just like really high defining time with the mutants. And yes, some individual books might be a little eh or up and down, but overall, the themes, what they're doing, the processes, the moves, it's all big. It's just all really good. I don't know. The X-Men are just good. I think there's a reason why they're such a popular franchise. And it's just because they like just represents so much things or so many things that are like amazing go off okay (laughs) okay i don't know that's the answer (laughs) y'all wow okay i don't know how i i was gonna pick one but I was gonna say, oh, you know, I really like the 2000s, but you're right. Like, the <laughs> 80s was also great. Um, the 90s, I've completely accepted. I can't be a rogue stand and like not like the 90s. Let's be serious here. Okay. Um, she looked like she walked out the door. We gonna have to. We gonna have to. <laughs> we gonna have to reel that back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the costume is just hot. She can't help that. Okay. Um, I do also like think the Cocoon era has been completely like redefining while also like still catapulting off of what was there before and not like diminishing yeah. much of it. You really kind of took what was great about it and just kind of polished it up and catapulted it. And like that Hoxpox stuff that we were reading in the beginning, like that was just, I mean. The reveal of more. I'll never forget whoa. it. Whoa. Seeing her past lives, the crucible issue, like yeah. things like that stick with you. Yes. Just like in Morrison's when you go back, like Jean and Emma fighting over Scott, Phantom X showing up. Lorna being rescued. Lorna being rescued. Naked. Cry, naked, crying, making that big mountain for Mac. Daddy, I love you. Like, <laughs> you remember it. You remember it, like, and that's what the ex, like, Dark Phoenix Saga, going back, like, these are things you remember, their experiences. Apocalypse during X yeah, Sword, that's gonna be a moment I remember. He cleared it. That's the king. X of Swords is also a really great event. I didn't even go back and reread it, but I remember, like, really liking it. it was, Everybody played the role, that was great. 
and it reads a lot better in one setting. Again, I still have like my issues here and there. I still think Betsy should have come back with all the other captains at the end. Um, I think we could have cut some of those games out. But other than that, like I get why we did it. I get why it happened. It's great. Yeah. Shout out to but yeah, I mean, shout out to the X-Men. They really got it. 60 more years. I can't wait to see it all keep going. I'm excited for their live action debuts. I, I wish that they gave us more, more like video games and, you know, gave yeah, us more yeah. content and other avenues. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, it's unfortunate that everything has to de- be defined by the MCU, but hopefully as we get closer <laughs> to the MCU, they'll start <laughs> giving us more content in other avenues because a game would be great. Across our fingers. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Please make sure you rate and subscribe us wherever you get your comic book. I'm sorry, your podcast. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can watch us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. You can um, email us at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at the end. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here, and we'll catch you next week. All right, peace. Bye.